0: Welcome to the Radical Remission Project, Stories That Heal podcast. My name is Kelly A. Turner, and I'm a PhD cancer researcher, New York Times bestselling author of Radical Remission and Radical Hope, and the founder of the Radical Remission Project. In this podcast, it is our honor to bring you inspiring healing stories directly from Radical Remission survivors themselves, as well as from the amazing doctors and healers they work with.
1: All right, Carla, it's your turn. We're going to listen and we're going to learn more about you today. I'd like to welcome Carla mans to the mic. She's going to share her story with us today about her own personal radical remission. And I know our audience is going to want to learn more about how you did it. Um, And as one of our hosts, I think it's only appropriate that we, we kick off early in the season with your story to share with everyone. So welcome, Carla.
2: Thanks, Liz. I am so excited to tell my story. I always love to share this because I'm obviously in a really good place. So I love, love, love to tell people how I got here.
1: Yeah. And I know that, you know, for those of you who don't know, Carla and I have our own practice together and our community uh, loves to, you know, touch base with Carla whenever they have any questions, because she is in her own right, a radical remission celebrity. So lots of um, people always like to talk to her and learn about what she did to heal. So we want to share that with you today. And I think there's probably gonna be some stuff that I'll learn about Carla myself. Um, We met four years ago, actually this week at our training for radical remission. So happy happy anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So why don't you, Carla, take a minute to share with our audience how you learned about radical remission and um, however that may weave into your uh, diagnosis story.
2: That's yeah, right. you know, I um, I can never quite recall exactly how I came across the book. I just know that I came across it somewhere about 2016, and I was diagnosed in late 2014 with metastatic breast cancer. So um when I found the book in 2016, i had already done a lot of things, right? So I had started working with a cancer coach myself immediately because I knew I needed to do more. Um, so let me just back up a minute and say that I had that early stage diagnosis in 2003. So I was 37 years old. My sons were two and five at the time. I had a new career and I found a lump on Christmas Eve. And yeah sucked. So, you know, that whole process took me about 9 months. I did a completely conventional approach to it. Well, I shouldn't say completely. I mean, I dabbled in acupuncture and looked at some other things, but got a lot of pushback on that. Didn't know a lot about it, so so didn't really do much beyond the conventional. So, mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation, and that was kind of over and done in 9 months and then it was 5 years of tamoxifen. And when I hit my 10 year cancerversary, I thought I was safe because every year away from it, I just felt better and better. And I could put it behind me. And at 10 years, I thought, great, I'm done. I'm safe. But at 11 years is when I got the metastatic diagnosis. So that was late 2014 and cancer had metastasized to my bones. And In late 2014, I realized with that diagnosis that I had to do, oh, so much more than I had ever dreamed of doing before. Like I didn't make changes and now I knew I needed to make some big changes. So I did. And we can talk about more about those big changes and my cancer coach and what she helped me do. But, um, when I found the radical remission book, in 2016, I went through the table of contents. The chapters are all the factors. And at that time, it was the nine healing factors. And I just kind of went check, check, check. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. And there were a couple that I went, hmm. I need to learn more. I need to dig into this one. I need to figure out what does it mean to follow your intuition? And, you know, so It was just very affirming, and um, I just knew I I needed to find out more about this and do more about this. and And then I learned that there were workshops, and so I went to one of the last workshops that Kelly Turner actually offered her herself. It was at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, in September of 2018. Right, and then. I knew from there that I wanted to get into the teacher training, and so September of 2019 is when I went to the teacher training and met my lovely partner Liz That's
1: and we my other radical remission friends. Yes, yeah, what a what an amazing experience that was, right? Yeah, it um, really was. So- I love to, I would love to know when you looked at that list of uh, the table of contents back in those moments and you were kind of digesting and checking off, which one do you think was the easiest and which one do you think was the hardest in that moment when you were looking at it and saying, wow, I, I do really need to work on this one or, oh, that one was, you know, that one was checked off the list.
2: Yeah. I think for me, like, Like I know right away, I dug into changing your diet, which many of us do. Um, the cancer coach that I utilized, didn't know anything about radical remission, but she was an RN and she had a master's in divinity. So really cool combo, right? And, and I've always been a spiritual seeker. So while she helped me more with that, it wasn't like the one that I needed the most help with, um, She did help me with diet. She helped me with herbs and supplements. She helped me with detoxing, you know, products and home and and all of that. And I think the the one that was the most like, huh, I need to look into that more was the intuition piece. And not Mm -hmm. that I wasn't aware of my intuition, but just wasn't aware of how it played in. And the other one was releasing suppressed emotions. Although I did go back into therapy immediately upon getting my diagnosis. I called my therapist who I, I said, you know, it's holidays are coming. I think I'm good. I'm going to take a break. And then I got the diagnosis and I'm like, I need you. We need to meet again. And we did work at not, not necessarily really digging into suppressed emotions, but really just feeling my emotions and getting in touch with my emotions and getting in touch with limiting beliefs. And I did a lot of work on learning to love myself. So Mm -hmm. one of my big things was I needed external validation. All my life, I was seeking external validation, whether it was from um, the men I dated Or the work that I did and the way I worked, you know, I was, I, I wanted to be the good girl that got the gold star and I needed people to give me that gold star. And so my therapist really helped me to figure out that I was worthy and lovable exactly the way I was without striving, without working hard, without being a certain way, looking a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. So I like to say that I learned to take off the armor, meaning the clothes, the jewelry, the makeup, and love myself straight out of the shower.
1: Nice. Well, that's not an easy task. I'm sure that it had some bumps along the way, but what an sure amazing um, lesson to have. You know, we, we sometimes we like to talk about the, you know, the gifts of of a diagnosis and the things that come out of it, the silver linings. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you got to go through all the the rough stuff, but occasionally there's these little gifts. And that definitely sounds like one that um, the audience will resonate with for sure.
2: Yeah, it was, it was definitely a gift. And, you know, it's kind of a continual process. It's not like I got it. <laughs> no, I love my, right. I mean, I have my moments where I'm like, you know, I don't. And I'm like, wait, 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 it's, it's, I got to go back. I got to think, I got to realize that, you know, I, I am enough. I don't have to be anything for anyone, um, to be worthy of love and acceptance. So yeah, it's a great lesson.
1: Absolutely. Good. Well, I love hearing, um, about your easiest and, and more challenging factors. I think that, uh, as we, as we always, like to remind everyone, the factors do not have an order of importance. And it is really very individual based on what people are, you know, where where they are when they learn about these factors and how to implement them. So um, I'd love to bring you back to the day um, that you had your metastatic diagnosis when you followed up with your doctor in that kind of I remember it being kind of an empowering, you know, not not an, an kind of an unexpected story. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So um, just a little bit of background on the diagnosis. So the summer before um, I noticed numbness in my shin, like when I was shaving my legs, I'm like, this is weird. Why is my leg numb? And then the numbness kind of increased. And I also noticed as I was working out um, with my with my trainer at the gym that I couldn't do a lunge without falling down on that leg. And, and she gave me one of those, you know, those balance poles that you can do different things with. She's like, well, hang on to this when you do that leg. And it's like, you shouldn't have to. What's going on? And um, so I had a chiropractor, um, a light touch chiropractor who who used a very different technique. And he started working on me as if I had a pinched nerve. Thinking, okay, you, you got a pinched nerve. Let's get this worked out. Well, after a couple of months, he's like, all right, you're not, nothing's changing. Nothing's getting better. So why don't you go to an orthopedic surgeon and get an X ray and see what's going on? So I went to an orthopedic doc and he did an X ray of my leg, of my knee. Nothing wrong with your knee. It's all good. Why don't you go see a neurologist? So I went to a neurologist. And, you know, this, this took some time, right? To yeah. all these appointments and waiting and booking and, you know, whatever. And it didn't necessarily get worse, but it certainly wasn't getting better. The numbness was at a point and the the falling down, you know, in the, while trying to exercise was certainly a problem, but I was compensating and nothing hurt. It was mm-hmm. just numb. And every now and then like try to do a lunge and leg would collapse. But The neurologist did this nerve test. It was excruciating. I don't know why, you know, like, could we do the MRI first and skip that part? But we did the nerve test first. He's like, oh, your nerves are all fine. I'm like, yeah, I can feel it. It is all fine. (laughs) It's all working. (laughs) Right. There may have been some stuff that I didn't feel so good. But he's like, okay, we're going to do an MRI. And that MRI was done on like a Thursday afternoon. He's like, all right, we'll be in touch next week. We'll let you know. Great. I get a call on a Friday. And he tells me, given your history, I've called your primary care practitioner and she's expecting your call and is waiting to hear from you. And I was like, wait, what? I had never even imagined that it could be cancer. So given your history, when that came up, I knew exactly what he Mm -hmm. meant. Yeah. It had never once crossed my mind in all those months of dealing with this
1: because
2: I was 11 years out and I thought I was right. safe. Right. So, of course, I called my primary care practitioner and she's like, Get your husband and come over and see me. Oh my God. What? So, we did. And it's a Friday afternoon and there's not a lot my PCP can do, right? She's got the results. Yeah. And it's one of them told me, Whatever, there's a lot of signs throughout your spine, your pelvis, you know, on your bones, we see suspicious spots and it's Friday afternoon. And my previous oncologist no longer can considers me his patient because it's been so long. Oh, since I came, Yeah. Right. So my PCP helps to kind of grease those wheels and get me back in there. But it was, you know, we had to live the weekend with, I thought I was, this is it. This is, I'm dying. I've got cancer all over my, my spine, my bones, it's everywhere. It's ribs, clavicle, hips, pelvis, all of it. And, um, we had to sit with that all weekend. And that was pretty excruciating. And I do remember too, a big thing, um, that weekend, we, my sons were teens, preteens, and, um, we just happened to have an appointment with the family therapist that Saturday morning. Wow. so we decided to go see her alone left the boys at home and her recommendation was don't tell them anything until you know something more right until you know the details of treatment or, or whatever so we kept it under wraps um don't know how Uh, um, you know my husband and i did a lot of crying and we were both really scared and and very very very, very fearful but we kept it under wraps and whatever point i was able to talk to my previous oncologist monday or tuesday of the next week um i was able to get a phone call with him and then get an appointment scheduled but that phone call with him was i think what you're referring to because it was pretty amazing he and he didn't know anything about it yet i don't even know if he'd seen the 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 report he must have seen the report but not the mri scan right so um he told me he says this is a chronic disease we can manage so i thought well all righty then we're gonna manage the hell out of this i got this i know how to manage things i'd spent my career as a project manager very organized very driven very empowered i can i can take care of myself you bet So, yeah, I started managing the hell out of it. And it's my therapist who recommended the cancer coach. So I got back to therapy. I got a cancer coach. I saw this oncologist and, um, you know, started getting everything in motion again. And this is where I really started making the important changes that I needed to make.
1: Yeah and i bet those those work skills that you had of being organized and being strategic and being uh what was what was your title change uh, well i was a
2: project manager and a change manager at that point i was a change manager and so global change management within an it department so i knew how hard it was for people to change and and to implement change and and so i was able to utilize those skills to to really help me to see that okay, I, I can be an early adopter instead of a late adopter. Right, right.
1: Yeah. And taking, you know, taking all the, the skills that you had had and using them to as you said, like, actually following your intuition, which you didn't realize you had been doing um, to find your way to right. check off those items on the list. Um, intuition is a tricky one, I think, for a lot of people to really understand um, what that means. Do you do you what does it mean to you now?
2: Yeah. Intuition really means, um, taking the time to, to get quiet and to do nothing, to just be, to get in touch with that internal voice. Right. And I, that internal voice is my higher power. It's, it's God for me. Right. And, um, it can be whatever you want to call it. Nobody has to, you know, have the same name for it, but we have that internal voice, that internal wisdom, that guidance, whether it comes, um, from your connection to a higher power, whatever. Um, it's your sort of inner knowing. And the problem is we're so busy and we, we don't sit I know for me, I was so busy and I never got quiet. I had a big global career and traveled and two kids to raise and a lot going on. And did I sit quietly and listen? No. No. Who else talked about that? But I learned how important it was to get quiet. Because if you're never quiet, that voice can't speak up over the noise and the busyness of life.
1: Yeah, the speed of our culture these days doesn't allow for a lot of downtime or silence. Even we can fill the space with everything from, you know, conversation and music to a podcast to a YouTube video or, you know, just the the downtime is now turned from silence to, you know, even social media and reels and TikToks and different things there's so much coming at us.
2: And I learned one of the simplest things I learned is turn off the radio in the car. Yes. Nothing in the car, no podcast, no music, just silence. Like, just listen to your thoughts.
1: hmm See that where it was, takes you. Yeah. Looking
2: for a thoughtful, heartfelt gift for someone with cancer? The Radical Remission Project has partnered with woman-led small business Rest & Heal to create lovely care packages for you to send. They feature the Radical Remission and Radical Hope books alongside natural wellness products, all of which are non-toxic and sourced from women-owned, black-owned, and New York state businesses. We know our community is passionate about spreading the radical remission healing factors, and these care packages are a great way to get knowledge into the hands of those who need it most. Visit restandheal.com/ forward slash Shop to purchase or learn more. That's restandheal.com forward
1: slash shop. Being diagnosed with a serious health challenge can be emotional and overwhelming. At Radical Remission, we believe no one needs to face a diagnosis alone. Our certified health coaches work one-on-one or in small groups to support people living with a diagnosis to integrate the 10 healing factors of Radical Remission. Our team of coaches include national board-certified health coaches, doctors, nurses, and other medical practitioners, as well as mental health providers. Our coaches meet each person where they are on their healing journey to offer support, accountability, and goal-setting in a positive manner. Check out RadicalRemission.com to find your health coach and connect with them to learn more about what it might look like to work together. See the show notes for links to find a coach on RadicalRemission.com well that's um we're, we're getting through the list of the factors and um i can see very very clearly that you have you know utilized so many of them um so innately what um oh another another great story i would like for you to share is about your um longevity you know carla proclaims herself to be a longevity geek so yes. tell, the, tell us a little bit about that
2: I have always had a knowing maybe this is my intuition right I've always known that I was going to live to be a hundred plus healthy and sane so I endeavor to have my health span equal my lifespan and um I've always been fascinated by the blue zones and, and read the books when they came out and and all of that and um, just really embraced any of those healthy tips and tricks anything I could do um, to ensure my health span equaled my lifespan the health you know I, I, my longevity you know started flossing my teeth and my you know like regularly religiously in my, in my thirties, when I decided I was going to live to be a hundred and I needed to floss my teeth every day to make sure that I could live that long and and be healthy and sane. So, um, yeah, I really, um, was kind of bummed like, wait, this metastatic diagnosis doesn't line up with that knowing that I'm going to live to be a hundred plus healthy and sane. Yeah. And so, um, I I'm like, I, I don't accept this. I don't accept this prognosis that metastatic breast cancer is going to end me sooner than I want it to. And so I still um, embrace not only the 10 healing factors, but all of the blue zones, you know, nine, I think there's nine things on the blue zones that, you know, um, that I really make sure, try to make sure that I'm living my life in such a way that I will end up healthy well into my nineties and up to a hundred and beyond if I can.
1: Yeah. And I love that being an example of, um, somebody's strong reason for living that comes from within, right? So you talk about how you used to get all this external, um, you know, Validation. Just, yeah. yeah. So to utilize having a strong reason for living, being about you for you and not, You know, a lot of people, their first reaction is, oh, my kids or my my dog or my this, my job, all these other things, which are all valid. But what I love about yours is you can wake up every day knowing that you have a plan to have another, you know, 50 years ahead of you. And every decision that you make points you in that direction. And it's kind of all encompassing having, you know, obviously the social support from your family is part of it but it's not defining you and Carla's purpose and that's i think something that can span that the next 50 years. Yeah. Right? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, i um i do have, you know, my boys to live for and and my husband and other family, but yes, i have that personal why that yeah. strong reason that i've just always had that goal and i love that goal because I want to inspire other people to um, lengthen their health span to match their lifespan. Um, that's, that's kind of what's behind it. I think is like, really, I just want to show people it can be done. And there are other people that are living to be a hundred and healthy and sane and running races and doing incredible, amazing things. And I get a lot of inspiration from those people and all of the people in my life know that I want to make this goal. And so I will get stories of the hundred year old woman that ran the race and, you know, whatever it is that people will share that with me, the old couple that's dancing, you know, this amazing ballroom dance or whatever. And those things do inspire me. And I know that I want to be that inspiration for, for other people.
1: Yeah. And I, I guess I wasn't uh, trying to disconnect your purpose from your family. I, I guess what I was, what I would love to point out to the audience is how important having a purpose that is just for you, because people will come you know, your kids, your kids grow, maybe they move away. Maybe they don't, you know, all the way through to 100, your life's gonna look very different at 100 than it does now, but that purpose can ride you through the whole way. And I love that about your purpose, your unique purpose. And for, um, for the, the audience to hear the little story that I loved hearing when I first met you, I think it was fairly shortly after your birthday Mm -hmm. and her party favor that she gave out at her birthday was a, a halfway there mug with the date for her, save the date for her fifth or hundredth birthday. Yep.
2: Yeah. So I was. I was diagnosed with a metastatic breast cancer in 2014, and I turned 50 in 2015. So it was one year later, and I had a really good handle on things at that point. And um, I, I should tell the rest of the story, too. But I threw myself a halfway there birthday party, and I planned this. And one of my friends actually recruited her friend to be my party planner. And we threw this amazing party and, you know, had cake and a dance floor and a photo booth. It was like having a little wedding. Nice. (laughs) Me and 300 of my closest friends. And it it was my way to say to everybody that this metastatic diagnosis does not define me. I am still planning to live to be 100 and I want you behind me and so everybody got a little teacup coffee mug that had that save the date december 2065 and i have so many people that will tell me to this day that they use that mug and every time they use it they think of me and they think of my 100th birthday so i have a whole bunch of people helping me manifest my 100th birthday
1: exactly i love that and it's so much fun you know you you exude fun that's you know just something that I know to be true for you. And I think that that's part of it is, you know, you can, you can have really heavy things like diagnoses come your way, but to n- not let it take, steal the joy. Right. And that's not something that I think Carla man's Drew will, will let happen in her life. Definitely not.
2: I mean, I have my moments, right. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, I, I can be down and, and, um, you know, depressed a little, or just sad or angry or whatever. And human. But, <laughs> yes. But I also pretty easily get back up on top of it. I'm just a born optimist. So every day I wake up and think, okay, it's a new day. Let's, let's, let's see what happens today. Let's do it different today. Let's make it better.
1: Exactly. Fresh yeah. start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Carla, tell us about the rest of your story that you want to share today. Yes, so I told you about the
2: diagnosis, but what I didn't tell you about is how I got to where I'm at today. And it was pretty obvious right away when I started making all those changes um, that things were getting, that, that I had arrested cancer. Like to say, I arrested cancer, I stopped it. Now, I was taking hormone blocking drugs. I have a hormone receptor positive breast cancer and they couldn't get a good biopsy. Um, because bone is hard to get a biopsy of. And so the doc decided to treat it as if it were the cancer that I previously had. And it responded, sure enough, it same cancer. And so with my lifestyle changes, and I think the lifestyle changes had a huge part to play in this, but also I will say, I was taking conventional hormone blocking drugs. By the three month scan, everything was stable. Cancer didn't grow anymore it had stopped. Beautiful. And- I knew that it was receding because my leg wasn't as numb and my leg wasn't falling down out from underneath me. So by the time that I got to this neurologist, I I had fallen a couple of times, just randomly leg fell out from underneath me. So of course, as soon as they got the official diagnosis, they wanted me to walk with a cane. So I didn't fall down and hurt myself and break a bone, which would be really bad. And um, of course I didn't like that, but so, but, By that three-month mark, I really didn't need the cane anymore. My leg wasn't falling down anymore. So the cancer had been growing in such a way that it was filling in the hole in my vertebral bone, the vertebral body, the bone at the base of my spine where a nerve passed through. So I literally did have a pinched nerve, but it was the cancer that was pinching the nerve because it was growing that way and closing up that path. So it was receding because the numbness was receding and the falling down was receding. So I felt great. And I got a year and a half with stable. Arrested it, never changed, was stable, stable, stable. At a year and a half, a liver tumor cropped up. And um, that set me back, excuse me, that set me back. And I had just started exploring an integrative oncologist. Because my conventional oncologist would roll his eyes at me when I talk about supplements or, you know, poo-poo me when I wanted to go see somebody in the integrative department or do something different that he didn't know anything about, you know, and food. He didn't, you know, just go eat a brownie, drink a margarita, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, I'm not just taking meds. I am going to do everything I possibly can because I have a goal to live to be 100 healthy and sane. And I am not going to let metastatic breast cancer take me out early. So... I got that liver tumor and of course, had already consulted with the integrative oncologist, so I took both their opinions. And the conventional oncologist wanted to take me off both drugs I was on and do something completely different. The integrative oncologist wanted to leave me on one of them, add a new one, and totally support me in my diet, lifestyle, holistic mind, body, spirit approach. Guess what I did? Fired the conventional guy, went with the integrative oncologist. Got a partner, somebody that actually believed that I should not eat that brownie or drink that margarita and that I really should be doing things differently. And we resolved that liver tumor within six months, fully resolved. And there has been no sign of cancer since then. And it
1: was seven years ago, 2016. Seven years, NED. Yeah. I look forward to that every year and many, many more to come. Thank you. Me too. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I always
2: tell people if I can do what they can too, right. There's, you know, all of the radical remission survivors that inspire us, just regular people.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah. So if, if we, if we can do it, you know, be inspired by those 1500 plus stories and know that you can do
1: it too. Yeah. And I do love, um, the idea of, uh, that we we may have mentioned in a previous episode of being healed and not cured, or cured and not healed, and um, even just Dr. Turner's definition of remission does not mean that there's no cancer in your body. It just means that it's stable. Right, and I think that that partnered with the idea of being cured versus being healed and what that what those two things mean to you um do you want to explain that a little bit
2: yeah and so for me you know the the medical establishment will say that metastatic breast cancer can't be cured like okay well you can believe that and I'll believe what I want to believe and i um believe that i can live with that diagnosis till i'm 101 healthy and sane and you know the drugs i'm on are meant to give me more time in between recurrences, right? Metastatic breast cancer is one of those things like, okay, we're going to control it for a while, but then it comes back and you got to switch and do a different drug. And you know, you're on that roller coaster for the rest of your life. Um the drug that I've been on for nine years, right? I don't I don't do math well in my head. So since you know I started in 2015, it's been nine years. Um it was meant to give me um I believe it was 9 months to a year. Wow. And I've still been on it and I have no side effects. That's the other thing. It's like no yeah. side effects. And I think the mm-hmm. biggest thing about the no side effects is the lifestyle that I live, right? The healthy yes. eating, the healthy living, mind, body, spirit. It my body's better able to handle the drugs that I am using. And um, when it comes to cure, okay, I don't need to say I'm going to be cured. I'm happy to say I'm going to live with cancer for the rest of my life. I know I'm healed. I know body, mind, and spirit. I've done the work of healing, and I will continue to do that work because I think that's an ongoing process too. That's not a, you know, you reach the end, I'm healed. I'm good, right? There's, you know, we we live uh, as humans and there's lots of challenges and new things coming our way all the time. And so healing is something we need to constantly be working on. Um, and And not everybody will be healed and not everybody will be cured. Some people might be healed, some people might be cured, some people might be lucky enough to get both, but we're all on our separate journeys. And there's something to learn from it. And for me, cancer was a wake-up call and a learning opportunity, and it teaches me something new continuously. And this is why I can do the work of being a holistic cancer coach and sit with people who are going through um, something like me or something worse than me or right reaching the end of their life because you know, maybe they got healed, but they didn't get the cure. And I'm able to sit with those people because I know this is the journey that we're each on that we're meant to to live and learn from. And, um, it's just an honor to be able to accompany people on that journey.
1: Yes. The work that we do is an honor and a pleasure. and we, we have so much gratitude for, um, all of the, the people that cross our paths for sure. And um, we're very grateful to be co-hosting this podcast together. So I, Absolutely. I encourage our audience to continue to listen to these, these stories that are, they're coming ahead and the seasons to come on this radical remission stories that heal podcast. There's so much to share um, for inspiration and learning. And, you know, Carla is just one of the, the many beautiful stories that we have to share on this this uh this podcast with you
2: yeah thanks for letting me share my story liz and just one last thing to leave people with my biggest piece of advice is to be still to be quiet to just listen striving for a cure adds more stress so sitting and allowing healing to happen i think is a more important endeavor than looking for the next
1: modality absolutely it's great advice. And Carla, would you like to share where people can connect with you directly?
2: Absolutely. People can connect with me um, through Radical Remission or through our private practice, the Health Navigators. So um, you can reach me at Carla with a K at health navs.com And our website is helpnavs.com. And um, you can book a discovery session with me or a coaching session there. And if it's easier, you can reach me at Carla at radicalremission.com. And again, it's Carla with a K.
1: Excellent. Yes. And We will definitely have all of that in the show notes for anyone that needs to, um, that is listening that may not be able to write that down right now. So thank you for listening. We appreciate our audience and we appreciate you, Carla, for sharing your story with them today. And thank you all for
0: listening. And thank you for listening to the Radical Remission Project, Stories That Heal podcast. Once again, I'm Kelly A. Turner, PhD, cancer researcher and founder of the Radical Remission Project if you found today's episode inspiring we encourage you to share it with anyone you think would benefit if you'd like more information about the radical remission project or would like some support bringing the 10 radical remission healing factors into your own life visit us at radicalremission.com to find a certified radical remission health coach or to learn about an upcoming radical remission workshop and if you'd like to connect with liz or carla directly for health coaching you can visit RadicalRemission.com forward slash about us. Most importantly, be sure to like, share, and please, please, please review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews are what allow us to keep finding sponsors, and sponsors are what allow us to keep bringing you these podcasts. So thank you in advance for your reviews. One last thing. Would you like to be on our podcast? If you're a radical remission survivor who's been in remission for at least three years, meaning that you either have stable or dormant disease, or perhaps even no evidence of disease, you can contact us at radicalremission.com forward slash podcast. The Stories That Heal Podcast is a production of the Radical Remission Project and Cat Productions, hosted by Liz Curran and Carla Mans produced by Ryan Giroux. Music by Batchbook. Follow the stories that heal wherever you get your podcasts.